You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. I'm very, very excited uh, for this morning. It's already just been an incredible time in His presence, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been an incredible day, incredible, incredible day. And so I, I count it honestly an honor to get to share with you this morning. Um, it, there, there's something special in this room. Can, can we just like take a second just to acknowledge that? Like I really believe that there's something special in this room. I believe that the Lord wants to do something unique in this room in your life. Um, And so I just want to welcome you. We're going to open with prayer and uh, then we're going to dive into it. But before we do that, I I want to welcome you to this place um, as we welcome the Father to come change our lives, to come um, encourage us, motivate us, inspire us, um, challenge us, all the things that he's going to do, just to to ask him what he might want to do in your life today. Here's the beauty of the Word of God is I can read a verse and you can read a verse and it can hit us in totally different ways. Have you ever experienced that? It's like someone will teach. Cody does this all the time. He'll come up here and preach a passage of scripture and I'm like, I didn't even know that was in there. That's awesome. And so this is what the gospel does. This is what the word of God does. It is a living, it is a breathing thing. And so this morning, I believe that he wants to encounter you through that in a very individual way. So his presence is here. He is here. It's going to be an incredible Sunday. That part we can check off, right? But the prayer is going to be this, Lord, would you meet me in an individual way? We all came into this room with unique stories, unique experiences, uh, unique struggles, unique victories, all the different things that make us unique. But here's the beautiful thing. There is one thing that unites us all, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, which we just received communion in remembrance for. So let's just welcome him to meet you in an individual way. Cool? Cool? All right, let's do it. Lord, we love you. Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you for every story today. I thank you for everyone who is in the room for the hundredth time, thousandth time, or the first time. I thank you that you, in fact, have been leading us to this point. You have been leading us to this moment. And so, Lord, we don't want to let a moment slip by without first acknowledging that it is a moment gifted by you to us. So, Lord, through your word this morning, would you challenge us? Would you inspire us? Um, Would you motivate us? Would you provoke us? Lord, in an individual way, would you meet us here in this room? Ultimately, that's what we want. Ultimately, that's what we need. We need your presence in increased measure in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. A couple weeks ago, I spoke a message called Promise, Power, Provision. Um, And if you were here for that, what we did is we focused on the promise portion of that. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to continue that message um, about the promises of God and the way we steward the promises of God. Was anyone here for that? Do you remember that? The way we steward the promises of God, uh, we use the parable of the sower who spreads seed um, amongst different types of topsoil. We evaluated the type of soil that our soul is, the condition in which we find ourselves. And then we made pivots prayerfully unto being the type of soil that receives the word and we become doers of the 
word. Well, today we're gonna talk about uh, what comes next after we steward the promises of God, after we hear the word of God, after you receive a prophetic word, after you receive a word of knowledge, after you hear a message and you feel like it's like the Lord has done something inside of you and we steward that promise from the Father that is made for us, what comes next? What is it unto? Scripture is very clear in what our assignment is here on this earth. It is to bring heaven to earth. Go therefore unto all the world, preaching the good news and making disciples. In other words, bring heaven to earth that all would know the love of Jesus Christ, the, the reality of his death, his burial, and then his resurrection three days later that has saved every single one of us. That is what this is unto. In today's social, client, uh, social climate, um, economic climate, all the climates, <laughs> all of them, we need more Holy Spirit power. Can we just make that the foundation today? I mean, I'm even, I'm even like, how would you even define the climate of today? Okay, well, that was rhetorical, but thank you for your... And you're not wrong, in part, right? But I also want you to ask yourself, what is God's plan for redemption for the climate of today? And what is my part to play in the redemption of the current climate today? Because you, in fact, have one, and that comes with Holy Spirit power. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Here's the absolute bottom line. I refuse to fear anything. I absolutely refuse to fear. The Lord has given us promises that are yes and amen. The Lord has given you promises that your kids will be okay. The Lord has given you promises that we have authority and heaven is coming to earth. And the end of the story is this, Jesus wins. I refuse to fear. And so this morning as we talk about power, I don't want it to just be a hoorah or emotionalism or all these things, but what I want it to be is this. I want it to be you receiving and stewarding the promise that is from the Father for your life. He has Holy Spirit power laid up in store for you. And so this morning, I wanna dive into that. I'm gonna look into what it looks like to live in the authority of Jesus Christ placed inside of you. And that's, that's what we're gonna focus on. So, mm-hmm. Let's start in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So a little bit of a preface here. We're going we're gonna to start in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, we're going to read uh, verse 9 and 10. So leading up to this passage of Scripture, and I love that it's up here. You're welcome to leave it. Uh, leading up to this passage of Scripture, here's what's happened. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul who is responsible for the vast majority of the New Testament, right? So he writes all these letters to the churches um, in that day and time, the church in Ephesus, Corinth, and, and this is one of those letters to the church. And before this passage of Scripture, Paul has gone on and on about this radical encounter that he had with the Father 14 years prior to writing this scripture. So 14 years ago, he had this encounter that he recalls at the start of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he was caught up in the third heaven. I don't know where the third heaven is, 
but he was there. And he's talking about this incredible time that he had with the Lord and, and, and just how things were falling off and it was this wonderful time. And it's like, we, we've had moments like this. You know, it's in worship, come and behold him. It's tears, it's snot bubbles. It's like, ah, you're like caught up in the glory of God. Uh, you've had moments where like God has reconciled quickly things in your life, whether it's financial or emotional or whatever. And it's like, oh my goodness, God, you're so good. So Paul is recalling and reflecting and writing about a similar experience that he had had, right? And so at the end of that, what he says is this, I don't want to boast about that though. I don't want to boast about being caught up in the third heaven. I don't want to boast about this encounter with God that I've had. I want to boast about one thing and one thing only. And that's where we pick up. Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse nine, it says this, each time he said, my grace is all you need. This is the Lord speaking to Paul. My power works best in weakness. And then here's Paul, he says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. I find this very, very interesting. Um, will you leave this up here for just a second, Kenan? I, I find this really, really interesting because this is not what we tend to do. Here it is clearly modeled, the way we should live. Boast in your weakness. Sit in your weakness. Trust the Father in your weakness. But generally what we want to do is we want to push through our weakness, get out of our weakness, avoid our weakness, dodge our weakness so that we can get back to being strong again. Yet here's the Apostle Paul saying, no, sit in it, soak in it. It's the reality of your life. Exist in it because in your weakness, then you are strong. The last line of this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I have oftentimes heard this scripture, or at least in my own mind's eye, heard the scripture as, for when I am weak, then he is strong. Does that make sense? He is strong. In my weakness, he is strong. Here's the reality of this. He is always strong. God is always strong. He was strong yesterday. He's strong today. He'll be strong tomorrow. He has always been strong. So it is an interesting uh, perspective shift when we realize that when I am weak, then I am strong. I present to you that actually in your weakness is when you are your strongest. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place of desperation? You ever been in a place where it's, it's like, God, you've got to come through or we are going to lose it. <laughs> you've got to come through or I'm going to look like an idiot. You've got to come through or I'm going to fall apart. Like you have to meet me here. Oftentimes it's in those moments of weakness that something rises up inside of us. And that something is called faith that says, no, I have a promise from God. And in my weakness, in my flesh, in this moment, in this day and age, I am still strong because I'm leaning into the promise that the father has given me. It's called faith. Calling those things that are not as though they are. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Um, as I was studying this out, it, uh, the Lord talks to me like in strange ways. Anybody relate to that? It's like he, he, sometimes it's a little bizarre the way he'll communicate a point to you. Uh, 
I, I got a picture of the way that we tend to view ourselves oftentimes in alignment with this scripture that in my weakness, he is strong. And it became like, it's, it clicked. Like whenever I saw this, this image in my mind's eye and then I Googled it, it was like, oh yeah, that's exactly how I tend to view myself sometimes. Would you throw that up there for me, man? Yep. <laughs> All right, how many of you immediately recognize this? Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. So this is King Triton uh, from The Little Mermaid after he was Ursula. Uh, he <laughs> this is, this is, our mustaches look striking, strikingly similar. <laughs> I should not have said that now that I'm looking at it. Mine looks way better than his. I, can I like scratch that from the record? <laughs> um, but, but oftentimes I, I think that if we're not careful, what we do is we fall into the cycle of woe is me. I am nothing, I can do nothing. In my weakness, he is strong, right? That's not the posture of a son. That is not the posture of a daughter. You see, you are seated in heavenly places, even if the evidence of your life doesn't look like it. Even if you haven't been acting the way you should act, even if you've not been becoming what you were meant when the Father meant you. You are seated in heavenly places, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. Yet we find ourselves oftentimes, much as King Triton here, sitting just waiting in our weakness. In my weakness, he's strong. Here's what I want you to get today. In our weakness, we are strong. This is not how the Father sees you. The Father sees you as strong. The Father sees you as capable, and the Father has entrusted you to be alive in this cultural climate today. And I want you to ask yourself, what part do I play in this? What can I achieve looking like this? What can I achieve living my life from this perspective? No, says I. We have to, have to, have to step into the authority of sonship and daughterhood that the Father has bestowed upon us. This is not who you are. Weakness does not equal failure. Weakness equals an opportunity for you to be made strong. Come on, this is what renewing your mind looks like. It's simply just acknowledging that I've actually had a wrong belief about this. In my weakness, I am strong. I'm no longer gonna believe that because I'm weak, you should no longer believe that because you're weak and you keep falling into that one sin trap or you keep having that same flare up or that same tendency or you're finding yourself circling the same mountain, whatever your season, whatever your situation, we've acknowledged that we're very different people in this room with some uniqueness about us. But what you're not going to do is believe that just because weakness is a part of the equation that you are in fact a failure or you have failed because you feel weak. In weakness, he is perfecting something inside of us. Kingdom power is not measured by what's achievable in your strength. Kingdom power is measured by what's achievable in your weakness. Kingdom power is not measured by what's achievable in your strength. It's measured by what's achievable in your weakness. The, uh, I believe that the only force on this earth that has the ability 
to unearth the glory that the Father has put inside of you, the sonship, the daughterhood that the Father has put inside of you. I believe the only force on this earth that can uproot that is your own mind. (laughs) Come on, we believe lies all the time. The enemy is sneaky. He'll come at you with with, uh, ridicule. He'll come at you with shame. He'll come at you with regret. He'll come at you with whatever it takes to get your eyes off of the prize that is Jesus, who is delicately and lovingly guiding you in your process of becoming. The battlefield of the mind is a real thing. My wife says this all the time to our kids um, and, and to me. She says, you cannot fight a thought with a thought. You can't fight a thought with a thought. So if you're dealing with negative thoughts, if you're dealing with those shameful thoughts and you're finding yourself feeling like like old King Triton, you know, mustache here, (laughs) it's time to get his words, his promises for your life on your lips. I promise you it'll change everything. Uh, I was recently in a a coaching session with a guy named Sam Eldridge. He's a guy that I look at Um, I love the fruit of his life, um, several steps ahead of me. And so I just have consented for a season just to like sit at his feet and just glean. It's like, hey, you've done pretty good in a lot of things. Can you help me do pretty good in a lot of those same things, please? Um, And I was in a coaching session with him. Um, I say coaching, it's really more like counseling, if I'm being honest with you. And um, and it it was interesting because he asked the question, you're like, hey man, how are you doing? Like, how's how's your life? How's your world? you, you, have you ever like, been in this situation where you actually feel like you're doing pretty good until someone asks the question, how are you? And then you're like, I am not well. <laughs> it, it's, it's so funny because uh, he just asked me like, and he has this way of like asking and provoking things out of me. And anyway, the truth is this, like if I look at my life objectively, um, I would say I'm doing pretty good mostly in a lot of areas. Just like evaluate your own life right now, all right? I'm gonna spill my beans for you, all right? This is vulnerability. I want you to do the same thing, all right? Evaluate your life. So he asked me like, hey, well like, what is the underlying statement surrounding the climate of your world right now? And at the time, what I said was this, I feel like there's no blatant gaps, but I'm falling this much short in just about every area of my life. Like this much short in my ability to parent. Or like this, this much short in the way I'm loving my wife. Or this much short in the amount of time and devotion that I'm spending with the father. It's like this much short. And um, it's interesting because it's such a slippery slope. And in that moment, I became aware like, If you leave it to your thoughts in the battlefield of the mind, what'll actually happen is it will become your reality. And when it becomes your reality, shame starts to set in, and then it becomes this cycle in which you cannot break. You cannot fight a thought with a thought. You cannot fight it. So Sam asked me this question, he said, all right, He said, your son Canyon is six years old. My my son, my son is six. He said, I want you to fast forward 20 years and your son Canyon is telling you the same thing you're saying right now. Dad, I feel like I'm falling short in every area of life. It was then I started crying for what it's worth. (laughs) And he said, "What what would you say to your son? 
what would you say to him? And I said three things. I said, one, I would tell him, you're, you're, you're actually doing much better than you think you are. The second thing is I would tell him to zoom the lens out on your life and evaluate your impact and your effort while zoomed out. In other words, get out of the weeds, get out of the funk, get out of the thoughts, get out of the pressure, zoom out, look at your effort and look at your impact. And then the third thing that I would tell my son is this, I would say, that's not the voice of a loving father that would point out and project that you're just falling short in every way. (laughs) But if we're not careful, we'll believe these lies. And so what happened is then, as I was saying it, I began to hear the father saying the same things to me, you're doing better than you think you are. Zoom the lens out on your life and evaluate the efforts and the impact. And that's not the voice of a loving father. The same is true for you this morning. What it looks like to be imparted with the power of the Holy Spirit is to have the ability to press pause on your thought life because it is vicious and the enemy has waged war on your thoughts. Press pause on that and evaluate the, uh, evaluate the voices that are speaking to you and understand that the Father is always wooing and he is always endearing you closer to his heart. You cannot fight a thought with a thought. If I asked, if I asked this morning everybody in the room to make a list of your strengths and a list of your weaknesses, which one would come easier? <laughs> Let's be really, really honest about this. Cody said it in pre-service this morning. He said that the weaknesses list looks like a CVS receipt. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like a six-page document for a, it's a pack of bubble gum and some milk, but it's like, you know, it's like this long. Um, come on, think about that. Weaknesses and strengths as you're, as you're evaluating them. It's, it's really easy to think about the weaknesses. Can we just be honest about that? So that's gonna leave us in a place where we can do one of two things. We can either acknowledge that and say, I am my weaknesses, because <laughs> I've got so many more of them. I've got so many more weaknesses. And we could fall into that cycle of shame, or we could understand that weaknesses actually pose opportunities to cultivate the strength inside of you that the Father has already imparted into you. I've heard it said, uh, I heard John Maxwell say this. He said, people are encouraged by you through stories of strength and they are endeared to you by stories of weakness. Does that make sense? People are encouraged by you through stories of your strength and they are endeared to you by stories of your weakness. I think that's why Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians. It's like, I could boast about the third heaven and I could talk about these encounters that I've had with the Father, but in reality, it's weakness. It's weakness where the Father is cultivating something inside of me and in my weakness, then I am made strong. I choose to believe that I choose to believe that every single one of us are actually very intentionally, meticulously created for the season that you are in right now. The season that you are in right now, and I believe the Lord today wants to impart a fresh power for the season that you are in. There's a lot going on. (laughs) There's a lot going on in our world. Zoom it in a little bit. I'm confident because you're human 
there's a lot going on in your world too. There's a lot. But the Father wants to impart power inside of you for this season, for the purpose of bringing heaven to earth. Let's read Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one, verse six through eight. It says this, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse seven, I love this. He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. In other words, mind your business. Verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You see what the apostles are asking for in this moment is more knowledge. Lord, tell us what's gonna happen. Is now the time? Is now the time that's been prophesied about? Is now the time where you're gonna restore the kingdom and you're gonna impart to us what was ours from the beginning? And he's like, chill. And what he says is, it's not for you to know, but here is the power that you need to fulfill your assignment on this earth. See, oftentimes I believe the same is true for us. When I read this, I see us. We're asking, Lord, what do I do in this next assignment? Do I take the promotion? Do I not take the promotion? How do I aggressively advance your kingdom in this? That? How do I become the good father that I'm called to be? How do, I, how do I steward and shepherd this season the way I'm supposed to be? And the father is saying, the father is saying, stop seeking knowledge and begin to seek the power that I'm about to place inside of you. I love that his response to their question of knowledge is now the time. Will you tell us now? Will you give us the knowledge of what you are doing? What are you up to? Lord. His response was, it's not for you to know, but you're going to receive power. You know what that tells me? You might not know what the outcome of your season looks like. You might not know the, the day, the time, the hour. You might know the, not know the situation, but you will receive power. This is the Father bestowing upon you exactly what it takes for this next season of your life. You don't know the outcome. You don't know what's coming. Don't pretend like you're gonna be able to understand what's about to happen in your life, but all you need is the power that I'm giving you. I believe that you don't just need more time, you don't just need more money, you don't just need more influence, you don't just need more exposure, you don't just need more opportunity. What I believe is you actually need more power. More power but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I never wanna trade my knowledge or the desire for knowledge for the intimacy that I have with the Father. Lord, if it is going to hinder what you're doing in me, as you're cultivating things in my life in this season, as uncomfortable as it might be, come on, evaluate your story as you're cultivating something inside of me, I, I, I don't just wanna know what's gonna happen on the other side of it, if it's gonna stop short the refinement process that you are working out inside of me. You were made to carry pressure. You were made to endure pressure. 
Because sometimes it's that pressure inside of you in an uncomfortable season where all you want is to get out of it. All you want is the, all you want is the knowledge of what's gonna happen next. It's like, Lord, if I know it's gonna turn out okay, like I promise like I'll be fine in this refinement process. But the truth is this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things unseen. Could it be that the Father doesn't allow you to see into exactly what's gonna happen because he just wants you to trust him? Could it be that that step of faith with parenting, that step of faith with business, or that step of faith in your marriage, or that step of faith in confession, or that step of faith in volunteering, or that step of faith, come on, apply it to your story. Could it be that the reason it feels risky is because that's actually what faith is. <laughs> Robbie Dawkins says that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I never want knowledge if it's gonna jeopardize the intimacy that I have with the Father because I believe that cultivating the intimacy with God is ultimately what gives birth to the power of God in your life. Cultivating the intimacy with God, that innate knowledge that he's near to you. That's what intimacy is. It's like knowing his nearness, living from a place of nearness. I believe that cultivating that is ultimately what gives birth to the power of God in your life. I remember being, um, I remember being a kid and uh, we, would, we would drive, you know, different places, whether it was vacation, work, yada, yada. And I remember sitting, uh, sitting in the car and I would hear my dad, I would hear my dad praying, praying in the spirit. You talk about Holy Spirit power. That's one thing that'll cultivate some power inside of you. <laughs> praying in the spirit, praying fervently, praying at all times, praying without ceasing. I talk a lot, so I'm told. I run, out of, I run out of words even still sometimes when I'm praying. Come on, your prayer language, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, refining that spirit man, speaking to the Lord in tongues, praying in that heavenly language, it cultivates something inside of you that translates into the power that the world around you needs. It's the way it goes. And I remember listening to my dad and he would pray in the spirit in the front seat while he was driving and he would pray under his breath. It wasn't this boisterous prayer. I mean, it was kind of a whisper. And I would, I would hear him. I'd be in the backseat of the Ford Windstar. I'd hear him. And I would ask him all the time. I'd be like, Dad, what did you say? Imagine me at the age of six, seven, eight. I'd ask him, Dad, what did you say? I knew what he was doing because I'd asked the question a hundred times before. But you see, in the eyes of a boy, watching his dad cultivate an intimacy with the father. I loved hearing my dad say, I'm just talking to the Lord. I'm just, talk I'm just talking to the Lord. You wanna know what births, cultivates and grows power in your life? It's time in the secret place. It's time in prayer. You see, my dad knew that there was a little boy in the back seat who was gonna need some resilience one day. My dad knew that he had a daughter that was gonna need some resilience one day. My dad was well aware of his assignment on earth to bring heaven to earth. 
So in the stillness, in the moments, if you want to cultivate that power inside of you, it's done in the secret place. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something to be um, put on the back burner in certain seasons because, well, I'm just a little too busy in this season for that one extra hour of consecrated time. Secret place, intimacy with the Father is what breeds and what cultivates power inside of your life. Come on, watch it happen. You start praying fervently. Moms, you start praying fervently for those kids. You just watch. Watch the way they come home. Come on, dads. You want that Holy Spirit power. You wanna find the words to say for those difficult conversations that should have happened years ago, months ago with your sons. Come on, pray fervently in the secret place and watch that power erupt inside of you. Come on, he is, he is cultivating power inside of you for this season right now. We need more Holy Spirit power. I wanna to jump to Genesis and read a passage of scripture to y'all. Genesis chapter two, we'll start in verse 15. It says this, it says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Genesis 3, starting verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You hear the way he manipulates that? Come on, you hear that? There was one instruction, don't eat from one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the enemy's question is, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Oftentimes the enemy's ploy is to distract you from what the promise of the Lord actually was. Come on, lay hold of it, write it on a sticky note, tattoo it on your body, write it on the mirror, never forget the promises of God. His promises are yes and amen. Let's not allow the enemy and his shrewdness to sneak in and to steal it or to make you believe that maybe it was just, it wasn't the right timing or it wasn't what the Lord really said or maybe it was the pizza you ate before you had that dream or whatever it was. We have to remember the promises of God. Verse two, she replies, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God. Get this, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. 
Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. <clears throat> I find it very interesting that they are living in the, the pinnacle of perfection in the garden. The pinnacle of perfection. Everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. No such thing as sin. No such thing as shame. Intimacy with the Father. Our pursuit for intimacy with the Father is all unto getting back to the garden. This righteous purification where we're living in wholehearted integration with the Lord. They are in it. They're in it. And what was the deception that ultimately led to her fall and to his fall? It was the desire for knowledge. The desire for the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve traded their intimacy with the Father for more knowledge. She wanted the wisdom that that tree would give. She wanted to be like God, is what scripture says. What she failed to realize in that moment in the most pure form of intimacy with the Father, what she failed to remember. It's not that she never knew it, it's that she didn't remember it in the moment. And she actually was made in the image of God. She did bear the image of God. She was exactly who God had intended her to be. Come on, I never want my desires for more knowledge or my desires for more anything to compromise the intimacy that I have with the Father. Come on, she was prone to this. He was prone to this in the garden. How much more so are we prone to it today? Come on, we have to guard those promises from the Father. We have to guard those promises. We have to maintain that intimacy with the Lord so that we can cultivate the power that he wants to put inside of us. Can you trust that the Father has you right where you're supposed to be? And you might not know all that you need to know about your season. Can you trust that you actually might know everything you need to know about your season for now? Like, are you good with the intimacy with the Father that will guide you? He's promised his goodness. I might not know what it looks like. I might not know what the outcome is, but I know it's gonna be good. We do know that much. Can I trust that just like he told his disciples in John chapter 16, I've got so much more I wanna tell you. I just can't tell you yet. You're just not ready yet. Come on, that's where intimacy comes in. If I'm craving more knowledge, if I'm craving more promotion, if I'm craving anything other than the intimacy of God to sustain me, then what I'll do is I'll step outside of myself in pursuit of that, and I will compromise the integrity of the intimacy that I have with the Lord. We read Genesis chapter three, verse seven, one more time. It says, at the moment their eyes were open, at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. 
they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. This was the original fig leaf. All of a sudden shame sets in because there's a mistake and they had to cover up, they had to hide. They had to get away from the intimacy with God because I don't want him to see me like this. Like I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I, he can't see me, I'm naked. Come on, this is the original fig leaf, but this is a practice that we still exercise today. You blow it, you mess up, you eat the fruit, you fall short, so you start to hide. You start to hide behind excuses. You start to hide behind your schedule. You start to hide behind comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy, or I'm not as bad as that. We start to sow these fig leaves that create a barrier between the Father's heart and our heart, thus destroying the intimacy that He desires to live with us. Come on, what's the fig leaf in your life? What's the fig leaf that you've put up as a barrier between you and the Father and destroying the intimacy? Come on, the Lord is just wooing you back to a place of intimacy because He has a gift that He wants to give you that is the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to place power inside of you so that you can proceed day to day to day, week to week, month to month, knowing that you have what it takes. Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna read verse 10. <clears throat> we'll read verse 10 and 11, and I think we'll stop there. It says, Paul's final charge to, this is Paul's final charge to the church in Ephesus. So this is the last thing that Paul is saying to this church, right? This is like his bidding words. So you have to imagine that he's choosing his words wisely. This is the last thing that he's gonna say. A final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power and put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. All right, let's read verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Cody said this earlier. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. It goes into the armor of God. And then it ends, verse 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. That battle in your sobriety, it's not against flesh and blood. That battle for your marriage, it's, it's not a battle against flesh and blood. That battle as you're pleading for your kids to come home, come to the Father, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. Kingdom power is not measured by what's achievable in your strength. Kingdom power is measured by what's achievable in your weakness. He'll meet you there. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.